Scripture reading this morning will come from the 19th Psalm, verses 1 through 11. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto, unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven, and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing nothing hidden from from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, that that much fine gold, sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward." She was a 54-year-old Bible class teacher. She was actually a lifelong educator. She had made her business in teaching young souls. And as she did so, she thought deeply, as a lot of good educators do, about the direction that her students were going, particularly her Bible class students. She saw them and thought, how in the world can I reach them to help them to understand the Word of God is the only thing that's going to keep them and going to sustain them through their life's journey? As she looked at her students and thought about each one, as good educators do, she thought about them as wanderers, people who would be absolutely lost if they didn't have the Word of God in their lives. She thought about them in terms of a cold, heartless, in a lot of cases, and cruel world, and knowing that the fact that they would need something to sustain them through their lives. She saw them as pilgrims, ones who were on a journey. More on that this evening at four o'clock if you're going to come back and join us in our study of First Peter. She saw them as ones who were creations of a ever-loving, ever-faithful God, but young people who would actually one day have to stand before God and give an account of their lives, as it talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. And as she sat there and thought about her students and thought about what can she do to help her students to understand the seriousness and the responsibility that they have to put the word of God inside them and live by it as as what guides and what, what strengthens their life, Priscilla Owen sat down and she wrote a poem, Give Me the Bible. It was the song that we just sang, Were You Paying Attention?, Because as she wrote the poem, Give Me the Bible, All My Steps Enlighten, looking at the way that the Bible is able to uphold us and cause us to to, to look to its light and realize that it's possible and it helps us in every single one of those scenarios that we just mentioned as, as wanderers, as people in a cold world, as people who are pilgrims and people that are ultimately going to have to stand before a good God one day and receive the things we've done in the body. Give me the Bible. It's no less true than it was in 1883 when she originally penned that poem. 
It's no less true than over 2,000 years ago whenever it was originally compiled. And as we look at the Bible this morning, and as we think about it, is that our life's cry, give me the Bible? You see, there's a lot of people that'll cry, give me the Bible, but leave out all those parts about judgment and, and hell and about punishment and about things that, that show the wrathful nature of God. Yes, God is holy, but there's wrath that's, that's revealed for those who are not right with him, 2, Corinthians chapter, or 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. A lot of people are saying, give me the Bible, but only those parts that really make me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. Give me the Bible so I can twist its words and so I can make it say something that it was never intended or never designed to say. A lot of people want to say, give me the Bible just so I can leave it on a pew or put it up on a shelf somewhere or leave it in my car until next week. Give me the Bible, but only on Sunday. You see, we've already had a number of folks that have referenced the importance of the Word of God. David Lehman started right up here and he talked about how we need to be more devoted to daily Bible reading and looking into the Scriptures and seeing for ourselves the truths that God's given us. Why? Because where cry here is, give me the Bible. We had Gene Gurley come up here and pray and, and talk about the importance about the way, that we, uh, the way that we review God's Word and how, what a blessing it is that God has given us to it. We've sung. We've sung. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We've sung, give me the Bible. Are we liars? Because I have no desire for the Bible. Because in my life, the Bible is just something that's an afterthought. It's just an after effect. It's just something that, that I pick up occasionally. Only when there's not anything else going on that I need to feel like I need to be involved with. Give me the Bible. Brothers and sisters, the truth is, is that we are all wanderers. In a cold world, we are pilgrims and we are all going to have to stand before God on the day of judgment, just like Priscilla Owen saw her students. The question is, how have you taken this word? How have you said, give me the Bible so that it can enhance and enrich my life in ways that God intends for it to be? And how, have I, how has I let it change me from the inside out? I want to take the four verses of that song this morning and see what her intention was and also realize that she brings out four great aspects of the Word of God that's worth every single one of us thinking about. We introduced our theme last week, which is just simply a word, shine. That's our mission. That's our job. We have a responsibility to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. We have a responsibility as, as Philippians chapter 2 verses 15 and 16 talk about as among whom we shine as lights in the world in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That's our world. Christians, we ought to be different. What difference ought the word of God to make in our lives as the way we shine? Four points about the word of God as a light. Give me the Bible. Number one, because... It is a guiding light. It is a guiding light. Give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming, to cheer the wanderer, lone and tempest-tossed. No storm can hide that radiance peaceful beaming since Jesus came to seek and save the lost. This may surprise some of you, but I have never been a ship's captain. I know, I know, it's a little shocking, 
I've never stood at the helm of a, uh, of a ship, and I assume they still have the big wheel, right? They've, they've got it back there in the, the keel. Uh, no, I don't know. I'm, I'm just making up words now. You understand that there's things about being a ship captain that I don't understand. But I cannot imagine in the darkness of night, without electronic instruments, how those people were able to guide themselves by the stars at night. Even more so when you think about them approaching an unfamiliar stretch of land and thinking about all of the dangers of the, uh, of the, of the rocks and the crags and things that, that might be poking up out of the water and realizing not in the darkness that you don't know where the shore is. But then, even through a storm, even through a fierce storm, you can see the shining of a lighthouse. And you can navigate, even in the midst of a fierce storm, by that light. And you can think, okay, I know where this is, and this is the way that I can make the harbor safely. Your Bible can do that. Look at a couple of passages with me, starting with 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, in the very same stroke of the pen... Peter talking about them as apostles, seeing the glory of Jesus, seeing his majesty and seeing his greatness. In fact, Peter says, we stood on that Mount of Transfiguration there in Matthew chapter 17, as Matthew details, and he said, we heard the voice from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And with the very same stroke of the pen, Peter writes this, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, that is, it's standing firm, it's established, it's right where it needs to be. And he says, which you, Christians, do well to heed. That word heed talks about keeping your mind upon. That means I need to fix it before me, and I need to think about it as that lighthouse. You do well to heed that as a light that shines in a dark place. The word shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the light bringer, the morning star, what the Greeks would have used the word for Venus to talk about the, 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 the planet that shines so brightly in the, in the sun. He says, until that morning star rises in your hearts, you have a responsibility to take the word of God and set it before you just like a, an anchor, like a, like a light, like a lighthouse that's shining in your life to be able to guide your life that no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, I could be in Hong Kong, I could be in Singapore, I could be at Timbuktu, I could be in Rosenberg, Texas, and I know exactly where I am spiritually speaking because I see the light from the lighthouse, the word of God that guides my thoughts and my actions, that helps me to understand where I am in relationship to God and where God wants me to be so that I don't create shipwreck of my faith. Yes, that's a thing. In fact, Peter, uh, Paul would talk about it in 1st and 2nd Timothy. I don't want to be one of those people that make shipwreck of my faith. Do you? Truth is, I am a captain. Truth is, you are a captain. Truth is, as we guide our life by the light that is God's word, God wants us to make the harbor safely. Consider Psalm 119, an entire chapter, the longest one in the Bible, 176 verses. If you call it a chapter, it's a song. But as the psalmist sings, Psalm 119, he says this, establish, make firm, put it right there, your word before your servant who is devoted to fearing you. What God does, if we're devoted to fearing him, is he gives us that anchor. He gives us that lighthouse to shine as a guiding light for your life so that no matter where I am, I can see it. I can see where God wants me to be. Same 
When you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, New Testament passage that talk about what your Bible, what, your, what the Word of God is designed to do. Paul tells Timothy that he needs to pay attention to the Word of God, which is able to make him wise for salvation, 2 Timothy 3, verse 15. And again, in the same stroke of the pen, he says, all Scripture, your Bible, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. So what? For what purpose? So that I can sit on a shelf? So that I can take and pick and choose what parts I want to keep and what parts I don't want to endure? He says, no. That the man of God, the one who wants to be the servant of God, Psalm 119, verse 38, the one who wants to have his thoughts and his word established so that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, completely furnished unto every good work. Brothers and sisters, your Bible can do that. The word of God that you hopefully hold open in your lap can do that. Do we trust the word of God as a guiding light? The psalmist would say in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted. What's that word of God able to make you do? Be planted, planted by rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in the season. You can sing it with me, right? Bringing forth fruit in the season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and all he does shall prosper. The word of God is something that's a guiding light that's able to make us what God wants us to be and to steer us in the right direction. Number two, what is the word of God? Why do I need to say, give me the Bible? I need to do it because it is a comforting light. A comforting light. Consider Miss Owens and the second verse that she composed. Give me the Bible when my heart is broken. When sin and grief have filled my soul with fear, give me the precious words by Jesus spoken. Hold up faith's lamp to show my Savior near. You see the comfort that the Word of God can afford. You can see it in a lighthouse beam, but you can also see it in a warm candle. Consider the psalmist and what he said, again, Psalm 119, longest psalm in the Bible, longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, all about the Word of God. The psalmist said, this is my comfort in affliction. What is it? For your word has given me life. Psalm 119, verse 50. Again, same Chapter, same psalm, let I pray your merciful kindness be for my comfort according to your word to your servant. The psalmist placed great emphasis on the need for comfort, but that comfort especially coming from the word of God, which is able to help our souls as a comforting light. In fact, Romans chapter 15, verse 4 a remarkable verse, as Romans, Paul concludes the book of Romans, he says, For whatever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through the patience and, don't miss this word, comfort of the scriptures might have hope. When you read in your Old Testament especially, the story of Joseph, and you see how good Joseph was and how uprightly he conducted himself and how the Lord was with him, even though he had to go through some really horrible things, that's written for your comfort. When you see the difficulties that the children of Israel had to face, 
And the temptations that they underwent and the things that they went through whenever they went through sorrow and hardship and how God comforted them and how how God helped them, that's written for you. That's written for me. So that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. There is a high likelihood, I hope it doesn't happen, I'd knock on wood if I was superstitious, but I'm not, that our power may go out. They're talking about rolling blackouts here in this next couple of days, right? Uh, hold your temperature down so that, uh, so that we can uh, ease the power. I wonder what they do in the summertime. Well, everybody's got the air conditioner set on 60 in the summertime, right? I don't know. Anyway, this is beside the point. They're talking about a power going out. There's a difference in the house between having a flashlight. I've got one of those that's a canister that opens like that, like a lantern. I've got some that shine like this. But there's a difference between that and having a warm, comforting candle, isn't there? Or a nice, toasty, warm fire in a fireplace. There's a difference between the type of guidance and comfort that those different lights can provide. When we talk about the Word of God, when sin and grief have filled my soul with fear, when I've unexpectedly lost a loved one, where do I turn? The Bible is there for my comfort. When I've just come back from the doctor and I've gotten a diagnosis of leukemia, cancer, something that I was going in for a routine checkup and I didn't think that that would happen, where do I turn? Give me the Bible. The Word of God is there for my comfort. When I have friends that don't behave like friends, when I've got people in my life that have let me down and that have said horrible things about me, where do I turn? The Word of God is there for my comfort. I've mentioned before, I think in the study of Psalms, I had a young man in my office years ago, and this young man, 22, 23 years old, he was a student at Texas State University, and he came in and he was completely broken by sin. He was thinking about the horrible, horrible things that he had done in his life, and he detailed them right there in my office. And I opened up to Psalms, and I, he, I had him read just from one particular psalm, and, and he read just about the first four or five verses, and then he looked up at me and said, how did this guy know what I was thinking? How did this guy know what I was feeling on the inside? And then you look further down in the, con- in the context about the comfort that God was able to afford David on this occasion where he sinned with Bathsheba and how David was able to come out of that and how God wants us to come out of it. How God doesn't want us to wallow in sin and doesn't want us to wallow in our hurt, but he's given us his word for our comfort. Give me the Bible because it's a comforting light. Your Bible can do that. Number three, give me the Bible because it is a focused light. A focused light. Verse three. Give me the Bible, all my steps enlighten. You get the picture of a flashlight now, don't you? All my steps enlighten. Teach me the dangers of these realms below. That lamp of safety or the gloom shall brighten. That light alone the path of peace can show. Is it any wonder then that we begin with the same verse that I've quoted a couple of times, not only last week, but also this week, and also the words that we sang just a few moments ago. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Do I treat the word of God like that? 
That when I've got a question of judgment, when I've got a question of right versus wrong, when I've got a question of, 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 of better versus best, that I open up God's word and I say, what's the principle here? What's the commandment here? What's the example here about the way that God wants me to conduct myself here? And that's what the word of God is designed to do, to say, here's the pitfalls. Here's the places where you might possibly stumble. Here's the place where the, uh, you might be possibly tripped up by sin or by something that, that's, that's a hidden roadblock or hidden stumbling block in the way. That's the picture of the word of God, again, from Psalm 119. If you're interested in where to start as far as your Bible study goes, start with Psalm 119. It's broken down into nice little eight-verse segments all the way through. Do one a day. Look at how the psalmist paints the Word of God. That's a great Bible study for anybody to do if you're wanting to struggle with or you're struggling with where to get started and wanting to say, give me the Bible. Start with Psalm 119. He goes literally from A to Z in the Jewish alphabet to say the Word of God is important to you and important to your life, just what we're talking about this morning. Give me the Bible. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Again, from Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance of your word gives light. That is, when I open up my Bible to talk to my kids about right versus wrong, to talk to them about good versus best, to talk to them about judgment and about having discernment, good judgment to make a decision between right and wrong. It's just like us flipping on a spiritual flashlight to say, this is the way that God wants us to go. Look at the path. You see it? You see how focused it is? You see how God wants us to take this step and go around here in this way? I had a teachable moment yesterday. I went to H-E-B. <laughs> That was a mistake, number one. But realize that as I'm there in the line, this starts at the very back of the store, and I start working my way forwards. It took about 20, 25 minutes for me to get all the way up to the checkout. And as I get up to the checkout and I begin to remove the things out of my cart, people who weren't even in line jumped in right behind me. And as they jumped in right behind me, I, I kind of looked at them. Of course, I couldn't make the face because I had a mask on. But I, I furrowed my brow like that. And I said, I'm sorry, the line begins way back there. Oh, yeah, we know. And I said, if you know, why are you not way back there? And she said, oh, well, we've seen other people jump in line. We've seen other people do it. We've seen other people go around and do this. And, 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 and uh, we're just doing what everybody else is doing. I said, well, not everybody's doing that. I said, it doesn't make it right just because you're doing it. And I said, it's not fair to all those people. Oh, you just don't like it. And I said, no, I don't like it, but it's not right. The question between right and wrong, folks, and whether or not we're going to choose and make the decision of what's right is not up for question. Those ladies that were there, one of them had a small child, and I thought, what an example you're setting for that small child. I didn't say that. Of course, it was too close to coming to blows anyway. But anyway, she, I'm thinking, what kind of example are you setting for this child? What kind of example, what kind of, what kind of influence are you wielding over all these people? And bless her heart, there was a sweet little lady that I'd struck up a conversation with behind me, and her little brow was just as furrow as it could be. She couldn't understand why these people chose to do that. But that's the world we're living in. What's going to make a difference between you and that person that chooses to ignore everybody else? God wants us to choose what's right because it's a matter of character. It's a matter of who we are on the inside. It's a matter of integrity to say, I want to be godly. You know what that means? That means godlike, to have the characteristic of God. And the only way we're going to do that is open up our Bible and study and say, this is right. 
I'm committed to doing what's right. I'm following what's right. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting, changing, transforming the soul. You let the word of God transform your soul? Are you different because you're a Christian? Are you different because you're following faithfully the focused light of God's word? The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Listen, I don't understand some things. <laughs> I, I freely admit I, I have trouble conceptualizing and understanding these things. But the truth is, if I'm simple with the word of God, God says, open it up. I'll make you wise. That's what James chapter 1 is talking about. If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and who gives to all men liberally. It's not like God is a stingy miser with his wisdom to say, oh, I guess I'll just give you a drop. Here you go. God pours it out. How does he pour it out? Through the word of God, through your Bible. Your Bible can do that. Through the people of God, through following godly influences and examples, imitate me as I imitate Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1. Am I doing that? Am I following or am I following the way of the world? Cold, cruel, heartless, selfish like those ladies. What am I doing? What character am I cultivating? Am I different because I'm trusting in the law of the Lord which is able to make wise and simple? The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, flipping on the spiritual flashlight so I can navigate this cold world down here. Last one, number four. Why do I need to say, give me the Bible? Because it is an eternal light. Eternal light. Peter, quoting from the Old Testament prophets, said, the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of God stands forever. Begs immediately the question, where do I spend the majority of my time? Where do I spend the majority of my days on the things that are going to wither and the things that are going to fade and fade away? Or do I spend my time cultivating a relationship with the eternal God through his eternal light, which is the word of God? Think about these verses. Give me the Bible, lamp of life immortal. Hold up that splendor by the open grave. Can you consider that just for a moment? The beauty of the picture as somebody comes to the cemetery, perhaps to mourn, you can imagine those disciples on the first day of the week, Sunday, as they come running to the tomb and they stoop in. If they had had a light, I'm sure that they would have shined it right in there. And they're holding the, open, the light on the open tomb of Jesus to see the cloth at his head and uh, wadded up over the side and the two angels sitting there to say, he is not here, he is risen. There's a sense in which the Bible holds an open light or light on the open grave of Jesus. However, consider also that the application may be, here's something come, coming to mourn for Andy one day. The Lord delays his return. There's a plot of ground with my name on it. Yours too. And somebody coming to mourn and looking into that open grave and seeing the fact that he is not here, he is risen because of his faith in Jesus. Hold up that splendor by the open grave. Can somebody hold up the light and see the fact that because of your faith, because of your trust and your hope and your love for the Lord, that you're not planning on staying in that grave in that great getting up morning. Hold up that splendor by the open grave. 
Show me the light from heaven's shining portal. Show me the glory gilding Jordan's wave. Show me the hope that I have as a Christian. Consider what Revelation says about the city that God has prepared. It says the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine it, for the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. He would go on to say there is no night there because, we mentioned last week, the Lord is still shining. The Lord will always shine. That's the truth of the matter. But the question is, who's the Lamb? Jesus, in John chapter 8 and verse 12, made this statement. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You say, what are you talking about, Jesus? And he's not only talking about the lights that we've already talked about, but he's also talking about exactly what he mentioned there in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. As he tells two sorrowing sisters who lost their brother, as Jesus loved them dearly, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, he shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me, shall never die. Do you believe this? Not only a question for those sorrowing sisters, it's a question for us. Do you believe this? Listen, the evidence is overwhelming. And the fact that this book and the message that's contained in the New Testament is able to give you a hope like nothing in this world is able to give you. How have we trusted it? How have we built our hope and our faith upon what's revealed here in this book that you hopefully hold in your hands? Can we say, give me the Bible because I know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Bible, the Word of God. And the only way that I can know what God wants me to do by faith is to open up the Bible and let my ears spiritually hear it and let my eyes visually see it and let my heart trust it so that I can be more godly here and so that I can make my call and my election sure so that I can take this hope that's within me and I can let that grow no matter the difficulties, no matter the despair. I know that this lamp of life immortal is able to lead me to the best of possible places. Why would I not want to spend more time with that? Christians, the only way that we're ever going to shine the way God wants us to be is to spend time with the light that God has revealed for us. And as we grow in our faith, and as we grow in our trust, and as we look at the word of God, we'll know more about the character of God, but we will also be closer to the heart of God so that we sorrow more for the things God sorrows for, so that we'll turn the TV off when we see things that are against God and against his character. Change the channel, if anybody still does that. That will say, we as a family are not going to watch this because we're a family that's devoted to pleasing God and we know that we can please God by what he's revealed. By changing our habits of speech to say, I know that a Christian shouldn't talk the way that I've been talking. I repent of that. I change my habits of speech. I want to speak the things that are necessary for edification. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to think more about being angry and not sinning. I want to be a person who masters my anger through, uh, through the power of the word and understanding what God says. I want to be a person that, that doesn't lust the way that the world lusts. 
who doesn't think about the members of the opposite sex the way the world does. I want to make sure that my heart is pure because Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. I want to see God, therefore I have to cultivate holiness. How do I do that? I learn more about who God is as a holy God. I spend more time. Your Bible can do that if you'll let it. That's the caveat to all this. The only way we're going to shine is if we spend time with the Word of God. The only way we're going to spend time with the Word of God is we make time for the Word of God. Brothers and sisters, your Bible can do that. It can transform you from the inside out. The power of God through the Word can do that if you'll let it. The first steps, if you have never become a Christian, are that you have to have faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. We have to have faith in him. We have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We have to understand that repentance, turning from an old sinful life, changing our life from the inside out, and realizing that God wants us to go this way when I've been going this way, that's repentance. It's saying, I want to go God's way. How am I going to know God's way? You've got it. I want to go God's way. Jesus said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Luke 13 and verse 3. I need to confess the name of Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10. You realize confession is not something you do one time before you're immersed into water for the forgiveness of your sins. It's not just that I stand up and say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Woo, I'm good. It's a matter that every day, I take the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and I put him on the throne of my heart and the throne of my life and I say, I'm going to serve him. Confession is something I live out every single day. My faith in Jesus, my trust in him, but also my obedience as his humble servant. If I've never become a Christian, one of the steps that the Bible is very clear about is baptism. Baptism. It's strange to me that so many people get hung up on baptism when there is example after example after example in the Bible about people being immersed into water and then coming up and then are on their way rejoicing. Paul preaches, or excuse me, Philip preaches to the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. And the Ethiopian eunuch, when he hears the message of Jesus, he doesn't say, yay, I believed on him in my heart, therefore I'm saved. He says, here's water, what hinders me from being baptized? Philip says, well, if you believe with all your heart, you may. He says, I believe with Jesus, all my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They both went down in the water. He baptized him. He immersed him into water. He raised him up. And you know what? Philip was caught up away by the Spirit. But that's when the Ethiopian eunuch went on his way rejoicing. He didn't do that before. Paul, when he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, he doesn't stop right there and say, yay, I, I met the Lord. Everything's good. He sat three days without seeing, without eating, and he sat there until Ananias came and said, Saul, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, washing away your, sin, washing away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. It wasn't until after that that Saul began to, begin to work in the ministry, who began to serve Christ. That's Acts 22 and verse 16. Why do we get hung up on baptism? Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. It's not up for discussion because it's the word of the Lord, the example, the understanding that that's exactly what the Lord requires us to do. Brothers and sisters, say give me the Bible, but then we don't follow the teachings of Jesus. How can we say we're faithful? Maybe as a Christian this morning you recognize that you have failed. 
that there's things in your life that you recognize are out of character with Christian, you know what? It's an ongoing battle. Paul says, not that I've already attained or have already been perfected, but I press on. Paul says, I've still got things I'm working on, even as an apostle, even as an aged Christian. Brothers and sisters, there's all things that we need to work on. And there's all things we need to say, give me the Bible. I want to know more about the word of God. I want to be closer to the heart of God. If we can help you with those things. You ready to obey the gospel? Are you ready to become a Christian? Or maybe it is that you need to ask the church for prayers and encouragement. We'd love to help you as we stand and sing our invitation song.